Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. It is so good to be here. I feel like I'm home with family. It's great to be with all of you in your beautiful city. Wow, the weather's sure showing off. I'm impressed. This is something else. John is in Winnipeg today. It snowed. (laughs) Oh, well, it has to eventually, right? It may snow here still. Not today, but, you know, like December 25th or something like that is when it's going to show up because we want it on that day, right? I even want it in Vancouver on that day. It can last for a week, and then it needs to go bye-byes. But uh, anyhow, it is wonderful. It's an honor to be here. Truly an honor. Um, been carrying your family, the Vardy family, in our hearts and in our prayers this week. It's been a big, big week as Leslie's mom went to heaven and uh, they celebrated her service. And uh, so we'll continue to pray. You know, sometimes in the season when the loss first happens, it feels so huge. But I think it's really in the days to come that if you would just continue to carry them in your prayers, check up, tell them you love them and are praying for them. And because uh, it, it's just a big deal. It is. We rejoice with those that know that their loved ones have gone on to eternity in heaven, but it still is big. It's just a big thing to say goodbye. And so we have been carrying the family and we'll continue to do so. Um, Are you well? Yeah? Even, I know yesterday didn't end quite like you wanted it to last night. Maybe a few of you, but I hope not. You shouldn't make, no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Like a few of you might be Canucks fans. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Um, But is anyone in here like a Calgary fan? What? What? No! Anyhow, I was downtown in the city. It was wild and wonderful. It's fun to experience your city in the, when that, the match of last night was on. It's, it's very exciting. And so, anyhow, I was cheering for Edmonton, just going to say. So, just, just I am. And I'm sorry if you're from a Calgary fan, but you should know better if you're in this room today. I just want to say. But anyhow... Who cares about hockey, right? Like, who cares? But we care about Jesus more. We came to church, not to talk about hockey. That's another day. All right, so it was just Thanksgiving last weekend, a wonderful, wonderful celebration, which we enjoy so much. But as I was just thinking and processing this past week from a psalm that has been stirring in my heart a lot lately, and I feel like it should be a banner over each and every one of our lives, and it's found in Psalm 112. And I wanna share with you a message today just speaking about having a generous life, living a generous life. And we're gonna take a look at what generosity looks like. I think sometimes we have a very narrow view of what generosity looks like, what the expression of your life is to look like, what does a generous life look like? And I think this is a beautiful description of it. Eugene Peterson wrote this um, translation in the Message Bible. Here it says, hallelujah, blessed man, blessed woman who fear God, who cherish and relish his commandments, 
their children robust on the earth. How beautiful. We just saw in this service, the stage filled with families dedicating children. The first service filled on the stage, children dedicating their children, their families dedicating their children. I love that because it is a true expression of the blessing of God. And here it says, their children robust on the earth and the homes of the upright, how blessed. Their houses brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. Sunrise breaks through the darkness for good people, God's grace and mercy and justice. The good person is generous and lends lavishly. No shuffling or stumbling around for this one, but a sterling and solid and lasting reputation, unfazed by rumor and gossip, heart ready, trusting in God, spirit firm, unperturbed, ever blessed, relaxed amongst enemies, they lavish gifts on the poor, a generosity that goes on and on and on, an honored life, a blessed, a beautiful life. I love this psalm so much, and I would encourage you to take it, write it out, put it somewhere, declare it over your life consistently. I am such a, an advocate for take the word of God Put it in your heart. Let it be the mirror that you look at life with. And this is such a beautiful description of a life that is being lived for Jesus. You know, we, we are his representatives here on earth. Jesus said, I'm leaving, I'm going to heaven, I'm sending my other self, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, he will be with you. And if he's with us, he's in us. And so we are a postcard, if you will, a love letter written by Jesus in this world. And no one needs to tell you, this world's messed up. It is broken. It is hurting. It is reeling in all kinds of challenge. And yet in the middle of it, here we are right here, right now, for such a time as this, as God's representatives of his character, his generosity, and his love. Because the greatest generosity this world will ever know is the love of Jesus the greatest generosity, his life. We sang about it today. Such beautiful worship. Thank you, team. You led us so well. It was just anointed and beautiful. And, the, and, and as I was thinking of this message, it's been percolating in my heart. And as I, we were singing the songs today, I just am in, you know, all hail King Jesus, like King Jesus, the ruler, the, reign, the, the great one, the one who gave it all for us. He lives on the inside of us and how we get to demonstrate to the world the love of a savior. And there is no way that we will ever, ever, I think, be able to express it better than through a life that's lived with his love. And it is gonna be expressed in a generous and beautiful life. That is who you are. Here's the thing. If you are a believer here today, if you have given your heart to Jesus, his spirit lives on the inside of you and who much is given, much is required. We're not just here to live 80 or 90 or 100 years and then just evaporate or go to heaven. We don't evaporate. That was a dumb thing to say, but, but uh, just go to heaven. That is not the mission of our life. Our mission is to spend every single day with such generosity and lavishly. And we've just heard this in Psalm 112. But here's the hard truth, church. The hard truth. Your life and the generosity of your life must be spent while you're here. I mean, we know that, but do we live like that? 
I think about, John says it, said this a while back and he was um, teaching about the most important day of your life. A lot of people think the most important day of my life was the day I got married or the day I had a baby or the day I gave my life to Jesus. All really important days. But he made this statement and I believe it to be true. That the most important day of your life is this one. This one. Because we can't go back and change the past. As good or as hard as it's been, whatever your story may be. We don't know if we have tomorrow, but we have this moment, and we are to live this moment well. A scripture that has so framed my life in recent years, like loudly, is Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach me to number my days. Teach us to number our days so that we would live with a heart of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what God has given you to do. God, how would you have me live my days? What do you want with my life? I don't want to waste it. I don't want to squander it. And I've lived a lot of years already. I've surely lived way past the halfway mark. And I am in a very different season of life today than I was when I first had children or I first got married. And I feel like the wisdom of being 66 almost 67 this month, 66, it's bearing down on me. But it's okay, John hit 70 on his next birthday, so I'm like, ha ha. But anyhow, it's okay, he's, uh, he's rocking 69. But I, I, I want to live this with, with passion, and I understand it this season. I just had two grandchildren get married in the last about six weeks, maybe five weeks. Our grandson Miller married beautiful Lily, and so our family grew. And then last Saturday, our, our, our granddaughter, who we got through marriage in the last um, about five years, her name is Amanda, she got married last Saturday. So we have, our family grew by two, and it feels great. And I think the next round is gonna be grandbaby. So I don't know if I'm ready for that, being a great grandmother, but I'll take it. You know, it, it, it'll hit fast and hard when it comes, I'm sure. But I love this season of my life because I can look and say, where were the days that I spent them wisely? And where were the days where I squandered opportunities? And I don't want to live with squandered opportunity. We have this moment and let's live this moment well. Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21 in the message translation again says, some people store up treasures in their home here on earth. This is a short-sighted practice. Don't undertake it. Moths and rust will eat up any treasure you may store here. Thieves may break into your homes and steal your precious trinkets. Instead, put up your treasures in heaven where moths do not attack, where rust does not corrode, and where thieves are barred at the door. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This last portion of the scripture um, in the Passion Translation says, "For for your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. What is your heart pursuing today? I think this is an important question to ask ourselves consistently. What is my heart pursuing? A scripture that is my life scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 4, 23. I didn't hand it into the team, but it just simply says, pay attention to your heart because it affects everything you do. One translation says, pay attention to your heart because it will determine the course of your life. And so as your heart is, so will your life be. 
what your heart is full of is going to determine the direction of your life. And when it comes to generosity, many times we just equate it with financial generosity. A generous life is generous in every way. Generous with finances. Generous with their words. Generous with their homes. Generous with their time. Generous with their talent, their treasure. Whatever God has entrusted to them, they open their lives and live generously. And so I want to take a look today at what a generous life looks like. What are some just defining characteristics of a generous life? And let me just say this. No one is born generous. No one. Sometimes we think, oh, they were always generous. No, no one's born generous. These beautiful children that were dedicated today, they, their first attitudes as they're growing will not be Here, brother, sister, take my food, take my favorite candy, and take my favorite toy. And you can have my blankie. I don't need it. No, no, no. It's like mine. That's how we're born. That character, and it's not to say anything negative about children. It's just it's not our first instinct. And we may see some that live with more generosity than others, but it's something we develop. It's something we grow into. It's something that we become. And a generous life is a blessed life. And so how are we living with a generosity that is core and central to our being? What does it look like? It is to live big-hearted, open-handed, charitable. And so, like I said already, while we are here on earth, we are living with a timeline. We have no idea where that timeline ends and all of a sudden we're facing our eternity. And the Bible's clear about laying up treasure, not here on earth, but in heaven. How are we doing that practically every single day? Um, In Proverbs 11 and 24, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know, it's your decision whether you live a big life or a small life. You didn't get a small life by default. You may have started out in life that way, but you can change that story. You can change that narrative by living with a generosity of spirit. And like I said already, the the God of heaven, the most generous savior who left all the wealth and the riches of heaven came here to earth. We sang about it today to a manger in the dirt because of a generosity that now because of his life, that he lived a sinless, spotless life, gave his life, went to heaven and sent his spirit to live within us. Now that is our work, is to allow the spirit of God to have the rule and reign of our hearts. You know, sometimes we talk about certain people groups, like, oh, they're known for being stingy or they're known for being generous. Let's not ever equate it with culture. It's an individual decision that you are either generous or you choose not to be. It is absolutely a personal choice. Number one, I have 10 of these points and I'll go quickly. And if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down and to actually ask yourself, do do a checkup on your own heart. How am I doing here? Is there an area I could grow in? And if there is, just let it speak to your heart. This This message is an invitation to a bigger life. And it's really up to you. If you feel like your life, it's like the Bible says, I'll probably come to it in a moment, but it says, you're not, you, your life isn't small, but you're living it in a small way. 
let's not live small. Let's live generous. So number one, a generous spirit is born out of revelation. And it's a revelation that respects the purpose of God. A revelation that empowers you to release what is in your hand and your heart. See, Jesus came and he didn't coerce the disciples to follow him, but he gave them an invitation. He said, drop your nets and follow me. They didn't have to. They chose to. And they had no idea what was on the other side of dropping their nets and following Jesus. What a life was waiting for them. Challenging in many ways, but what an invitation to life. And when I was reading this, I thought about how many years ago, um, God spoke to John and I. John was a very successful dentist at this time. His practice was overflowing. It was a very nice income and and secure life. Three little girls and uh, going to church, loving church, um, serving in church and, and sewing into church and Thank God for all of the people that do that so well. But one day God invited us and it was a wild invitation where he asked John to lay down his dental drills to follow him. And when John first had an inkling that he was being asked to lay down dentistry and and he was saying yes to God, he said, I'm not telling Helen, you have to tell her (laughs) because it was, that's a big ask. And so John came home after spending some time with someone processing. And I didn't know in the natural what he was talking about. He came home and he said, there's something I think we need to talk about. And I said, I know what it is. He said, oh, I don't think you know. I said, yeah, I think I know. And he said, I'm pretty sure you have no idea. (laughs) It was scary. And I said, God's asking us to plant a church. He said, who told you? I said, I can hear from God too. (laughs) And so the two of us, we made, we set our hearts on mission, that we were going to follow Jesus. It was revelation. And I want to tell you that that revelation was costly. That revelation meant there was a lot of people that like, you are crazy. Who do you think you are? There was all kinds of opinions about what we were about to do. We were called irresponsible, just all kinds of things, because who does that? You've gone to school all these years. What do you think you're doing? Your children are going to starve. Well, they're not. They're fine, and they love church. (laughs) But that was the revelation. And so it's easy to try to figure it out with human understanding. This is the way we should do it. Well, you know what? God may have a very different pathway for you. And I'm just encouraging when you live with a revelation of who God is in your life and you follow him, there are signs, wonders, and miracles that are waiting for you, but you'll never experience them until you step into that with a generosity of heart and say, okay, God, here I am, use me. I don't know what it's gonna look like. And I could tell you thousands of stories on the other side and I can talk, trust me. But I... I, um, So many stories of how God proved to us over and over again. That was 36 years ago. And we recently transitioned the church to our daughter and her husband. They are leading it into the future. And I look at what God has built out of an invitation that was born of revelation to just don't do what you think 
is the right way. Do what I am inviting you to. Church, don't doubt when God speaks to you. Go ahead and talk to other people about it and and listen to what God is saying. But don't listen to fear, listen to faith. Because faith is, a generous spirit will need faith to keep going. And so when revelation comes, don't question what God is asking you to do. Um, Number two. A generous spirit operates from a position of strength. I'm going to tell you this, church. You're strong. You are strong. And many times you feel unable for the task or you don't have enough. And a generous spirit will say, I don't know how God's going to do it. But if God's asking me to do it, I trust in his spirit and that revelation that he's put on the inside of me. And I know my God and he will provide because that's what he does. You are stronger than you think you are. But when we ever, whenever we initiate anything for the purpose of blessing someone else, we are placed in a position of strength. Weakness is mine. I'm holding on to what I have. I'm keeping it for a rainy day. I don't think I can spare any more time. I don't think I can do this. What happens is we limit the resources of God. But when you step into the opportunities God is presenting to you, you're going to see so much strength and provision come your way. We look at the example of the woman, what we know her as the, the widow who had just a few pennies in her hands, so to speak. The woman, the widow with two mites, and Jesus, she got Jesus's attention. And she wanted the, he wanted the disciples to have a look at what this woman was giving. And we could easily look at someone who's giving two pennies and look at them and say, "Um, it's not much. But Jesus didn't call it not much. He called it more than enough because she gave what she had. She gave with a revelation and she gave with a spirit of generosity and God blessed it immensely. We're still talking about her. I think about that little boy who gave his lunch that day just a few loaves and fishes. Anyone would have looked at a crowd of 5,000 and said, are you kidding me? And I wonder what it felt like to be that boy, to watch the multiplication process take place. When what he had was offered to Jesus, Jesus took it, blessed it, and multiplied it. And there was so much left over, as we know, they gathered 12 more baskets. I wonder what that little boy felt like that day. Maybe his mom made him. I don't know. But even if the mom said he gave up his lunch and he watched a miracle, when's the last time you stepped into something like that with a spirit of revelation and a spirit of faith and said, here you go, God, this is all I have, but I think I'm strong because I'm putting it in your hands. It takes strength to trust God with it. So you are stronger than you think you are. And your generosity will actually determine the measure of your capacity. Don't limit God. God is about to do miracles through you. Conversely, we see the story of the rich young ruler who was very rich, who had so much supply. And he goes to Jesus and says, what must I do to to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you've been doing everything right. And sometimes we do everything right, but something's missing. And so Jesus gave him an opportunity. He says, there's still one thing you're missing in your life. You must go and sell everything you own and give all the proceeds to the poor so you will have eternal treasures. Then come and follow me. 
And we know the story. The rich young ruler heard the words. He was devastated because he was extremely wealthy. And he had a missed opportunity. God was offering him the greatest life. And we know that Jesus said anyone who has offered anything will not be without even in this lifetime and in the one to come. But it wasn't so much that he had riches, but riches had him. I wonder what has your heart. I wonder what has my heart. It's a constant question. When so often I can look in the natural and determine what my decisions are to be generous based on what I have. But I would rather put it in God's hand and watch him go to work and see the miracle provision come. Don't operate out of weakness and sabotage your life's purpose. Be like that woman who had two pennies and say, it's all I have, but I'm putting it in your hand. Because here's the fact, church. Many times what we have in our hand isn't enough to do what needs to be done. So offer it to Jesus. Watch him multiply it and let all provision come from his hand. Number three, a generous spirit operates out of conviction and commitment, not convenience. It'll rarely feel convenient to have sacrificial generosity. You know, sometimes it's your words. Well, I don't want to say, I love you. I don't want to say, I can help you. You need me to help you move house this weekend? Well, I'm going to go to the lake. And nothing wrong with going to the lake, but sometimes we're missing opportunities to richly bless. Don't just give an answer out of what you want. Give an answer out of what God wants. God, what do you want me to do? Oh yeah, you can ask him about every detail. Sometimes that, that um, conviction is, like I said, doing the hard thing. Conviction is going for what you believe in and not settling for what you don't believe in. It's doing what God is inviting you to do. It's commitment. It's never convenient. But when we, which we live in a very obsessed, uh, uh, convenience-obsessed culture, don't we? I know I do. I like all my conveniences. But I don't want to live by them. I don't want them to narrate and dictate my life. I want Jesus to narrate and dictate my life. Number four, A generous spirit comes from a sensitive heart. This is how I look at it, being sensitive what the Spirit's inviting us to do. Have you ever done this? I'm just going to, it's just very practical. But have you ever seen something and you've thought, somebody should do something about that? You watch something and think, somebody should do something about that. Someone should clean up that garbage. Or someone should go and help that person. Well, I'm just going to submit to you, maybe that's a Spirit's invitation to you. Somebody should. I think, is it me? Do you need me to do something about that? I think about the man we know as the Good Samaritan. Two people passed by the man who had been beaten on the side of the road. And from what I understand, they were both going to church. And yet one stopped and he helped him. It wasn't convenient, but he did what he could do. He saw the need and the need was the call. Sometimes, you might, might have today, I'm sure it doesn't happen here, but there's maybe areas in church life and you think, oh, they need more people on the team. Hello, it could be you. You know, today they're starting, uh, or they've started this week, a, a next, what do you call it here, next steps? So some of you think, oh, one day I'll do that. 
get on the wagon, get going. There's something for you to do. They need you. And, and, and so often we think, oh, I'll do it when the weather's, you know, or whatever. We're putting it off. I, oh, you know, like we know the Bible talks about Jesus set a banquet. He said, go and fill the table. The banquet's table's been set. Oh, I, bought, I just got married. I just bought a cow. I don't know if you just bought a cow, you might have. But I, what I'm saying is don't let your position in life determine the generosity of your life. Don't make excuses for God's invitation. And so I, no one else can answer it for you. I don't believe in pointing fingers and telling some, I'm not standing here pointing a finger at you. You should be more generous. I'm pointing at myself but I don't want to miss the opportunities to be generous. And so I don't want to have an excuse when God is inviting me. And like I said, it's rarely convenient, but I want to live out of that generosity and have a sensitive heart. Being generous is responding to opportunities that are being presented to you. Number five, a generous spirit will always initiate provision. Um, Generosity chooses to invest. And the way that I look at this, oh, let me first read this scripture to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. And every time I read this scripture, I think about living a big expanse of life is throw open the cupboard of your life. I feel like God stocked every one of our cupboards. And, you know, we, we hear in scripture, some got one talent, some got five talents. Whatever we got, use it. Don't compare with somebody else's cupboard. And so throw it open. Take a look what's in there. What did God put in there? There's some things I'm not asked to present, but there's other things that I am asked and called of God to do. And I love the analogy of a chocolate cake. And we all throw open the cupboard of our lives. Maybe I have cocoa in my, in my cupboard. You've got butter, you've got sugar, you've got flour, you've got eggs, whatever it is, baking powder. I love a good, delicious, yummy chocolate cake. But if you look at every individual ingredient that goes into it, it's not great on its own. We need everybody. Throw open the cupboard of your life and say, I don't have all the ingredients, but I got something and I'm offering this. That that is, again, that spirit of of generosity, a spirit of initiating provision. Somebody's got to start it. Hey, has anybody got the eggs? Hey, has anybody got baking salt? A little bit of salt. We need this. Bring it. I want to encourage you, be the initiator. I think it's fun to watch God provide. And I don't want to be one that looks at what isn't available. I want to look at, well, what do we have? Because you have something. We all have something. God did not leave your cupboards empty. And if you look at your cupboard and think, well, I don't, you know, well, I can't sing solos on platform. Neither can I. And for the longest time, I thought, no, I'm not ever speaking on a platform. John's called to preach. I'm not preaching. I won't. First time John asked me to, I was, I, it was a small Bible study. And he had to go out of town. And there was like eight people coming to our house. He said, you need to teach. And I'm like, no, and you can't make me. And, and I was so upset with him. I'm like, I'm a woman. Don't you know women can't do this? He's like, whatever. <laughs> so I, I do it. I lead the Bible study. And I said, fine, I did it. I'm never doing it again. He said, oh, get over yourself. And then he looked at me and he said, are you okay? 
with rejecting what God's invited you to do? Are you going to limit God? And I'm like, don't do that. Because I had all the reasons. I was happy to do a lot of things. I'm happy to clean. I'm happy to bake. I'm happy to serve. Do not ask me to do this. And John said, are you okay with disobeying God? And I thought, seriously, that is what you're asking me? He said, yes. I'm like, well, leave that with me. I'll think about it. (laughs) And you know what? I had to not just keep hiding because I thought I was so disqualified. I was not good enough. I could say all the reasons why I'd never do this, but a love for Jesus and his house made me get up. Am I the best preacher in the world? Far from it. But what I do have, I'm not going to be ashamed to offer because it's God that gave me the invitation. It wasn't a man. And quickly, I'll get through these. Number six, a generous spirit will always be motivated by honor. What's that mean? Give God your best. Your best. See, I believe honoring, like to me, I honor the tithes. To me, it's never a question of will I tithe this month or not. It's a done deal. 40 years ago, this is what we do. And I'm going to give it all to Jesus every time. and Give my tithe and my offering. Not because I live in fear. I just live in honor of God and what he's asked me to do. And I know that 90% with God in the mix is so infinitely more than 100% without him. As if I would hold back. Why I honor God. And no one's asked me to bring this up, but to me, it's just a matter of honor God with your substance, the first fruits of all your gain. To me, I believe if we give God our first and our best, he will bless the rest. So it's done with honor. Love that doesn't cost is just a feeling. Love is costly. Loving one another is costly. Loving Jesus has a cost, but it comes with such reward. And number seven, a generous spirit has no hidden agenda. We don't bless to get blessing back. You will be blessed, but that's not the motive. The motive is just a healthy, beautiful honor and respect for God. God, I'm following you. Not so that I'll have all these things. I'm following you because that's what you've invited me to do. But what I have seen is immense blessing on the other side of it. I have never seen, as the Bible said, anyone who puts God first. Sure, we go through stuff, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. That's Bible. I know that if my children tithe, if my grandchildren tithe, God is looking out for them. I can't do what God can do for them, but I've watched God meet them over and over and over again. Number eight, a generous spirit arises in times of crisis and need. You know, we know in Luke chapter 10, the harvest is so great and the workers are few, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out workers to his field. Here we go again. There's a crisis in this world. Have we noticed? I think so. Canada needs a revelation of Jesus. And I thank God for churches like this. What a beautiful lighthouse of blessing. And so, but if we all just stay here, We're missing the opportunity to go. When you leave, you're entering your mission field. You are out there to serve the purposes of God. You work where you work. You live where you work. God doesn't get the address wrong. He knows where he's positioned you and placed you. And there's crisis all around. So will you open your eyes and say, God, what do you need me to do today? Wake up every morning with a sense, here I am, Lord, send me. Because 
the crisis demands a response. And the love of Jesus shows up in the most broken places and changes the world that we live in. Number nine, a generous spirit will always get God's attention and attract to the favor and provision of God. You will never be able to outgive him. He will continually send blessings your way. Luke 6, give, your way, give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting is the way because generosity will beget generosity. That's who you are. And number 10 is simply what I've said already. As a follower of Jesus, you were created with a generous spirit. The spirit of generosity lives on the inside of you. My question would be, is the tap open or is the tap closed? You are the only one that determines the flow. You are the one. It's not your circumstances. It's not somebody else. It's you. You get to live a generous, beautiful life because the most generous God, King of heaven, came and invaded this earth with his love and his life and gave it for you and I. And as we have received the gift of his love, the gift of his forgiveness, the gift of his blessing, how can we not go into a broken and hurting world and bring a living Jesus everywhere we go? That's our assignment, generosity. Guess when it's all said and done, there'd be a lot of words that I would maybe want spoken over my life. But maybe one that matters the most to me is she was generous. She was generous with her love, with her words, with her time. She was generous with her resources, with her home. I want generosity because I feel like that expresses the character of God. I've got a long way to go and to continue to grow. I haven't arrived, but I want it to be said as for me and my house, we will serve God. And that is what the invitation is today. So I wanna pray for you. I wonder if you would just bow your heads for a moment. God, I thank you for every single generous, amazing person in here. God, even those that don't see themselves as generous, or maybe we've judged people as not being generous. God, may we see the heart of generosity in every single person and call that out of them. God, I thank you for your love so generously given, and we are such deep recipients of it today. We are so in awe of your generosity toward us. And we receive it with thanksgiving, and God, we wanna live as a outpost of blessing just every single person we meet. Church, there may be some in here today that you have never opened your life or your heart to a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you today, I would love to pray for you. It's just a simple invitation. Again, God does not force you, but he invites you into a personal, intimate friendship and relationship with him. And he doesn't make it hard. You're not joining a church. You're joining your heart to Jesus. And if that's you today, I invite you to pray with me. And so I wanna invite everyone in the room to pray this prayer after me um, because I'd love for you to support those that are maybe praying it for the very first time. So can we pray this prayer together? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you gave your life for me. 
so that I can live my life for you. Thank you for forgiving me of everything I've done wrong. From this day forward, I choose to live for you. Jesus, I declare that I am a follower of Jesus. From this day forward, be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.